0: I am delighted to welcome to a program somebody that I have looked forward to talking to again, and that is a man named Mr. Dan Lorman. Dan is the Chief Strategist and Chief Security Officer at Security Mentor Incorporated, but I think a lot of us remember him as the leader of Michigan's government's cybersecurity and technology infrastructure for a lot of years from 2002 to 2014. Dan, thank you so much for joining us here on The Internet Advisor.
1: Thank you so much. It's great to be on the show today.
0: (laughs) Glad to have you here, too, as well. Uh, We've enjoyed. Listening to Dan, by the way, on uh, M Squared TechCast, which is with uh, Matt Rausch and uh, Mike Brennan, who is the editor of MIT Tech News. Uh, every uh, Monday, they're on the air. There and once a month, you and uh, Richard Steenin are on talking about security. So I've enjoyed uh, listening to your conversations there. And I figured enough of this. I want to <laughs> have you on the show.
1: Great. Well, thanks for having me.
0: I'm delighted to have you back here with us. Um, and we're talking uh, today about a couple of things uh, that I wanted to check back in with you on. And one of them was uh, the Michigan Cyber Civilian Corps, or MC3, I think is the acronym. There it was something that wrote, that came up in uh, was it 2013? Dan, that uh, it kind of formally made its appearance.
1: Yeah, that's right. And it's uh, been launched and in, been in, in, in place about three years now. So, yeah, it's a great program. I like to think of it as the um, almost like the volunteer fire department for security professionals. So, um, But really helping the state out, uh, certainly preparing for um, what emergencies that may come up in a variety of forms we can talk about. But yeah. It's a great program.
0: So, I. It was a great program. But it was a great idea. That, how did it actually work out? Now we've had a few years now for it to be sure. in existence. How has it worked out? Have, have people stepped up? Have you found the kind of uh, uh, militia men and women that you want to have ready to jump into the fray?
1: Absolutely. It's been. It's actually worked out very, very well, and it, it's. It's uh, become. Uh, pretty popular actually and, and uh just want to I'll probably say this a couple times but if people want to learn about it um uh just mention where they can go and, and learn the details at, at mycybercore.org there you go that's www.micybercore.org, um so <laughs> dot .org just spell it out but yeah it's um it's a great You know, basically a a program where um, experts can take. You know, actually, this is an assessment to make sure that you have the skills necessary to be a part of the team. But um, really, the idea is to bring together people. um, If you know, um, should there be a major cyber emergency, um, Mm -hmm. basically bring those people together, and they can. Right now, anyone who's interested can go and take an assessment to see if they pass the test. There actually are. several dozen people that are in the, in the group now. They, they meet regularly. They uh, have regular um, training together, um, do exercises together. Uh, we call them red team, blue team, attack, defend exercises, where what that really means is, you know, what, what would it mean to um, attack a system and then defend a system, and they actually train together. And uh, it, it's, it's a program that's, that's uh, really going strong right now.
2: You know, Dan, does the – uh, this is Ed. It almost sounds like yep. what it is is you—you've gathered together a bunch of professionals, and it's like a like a two-way street. They're helping the state of Michigan by by sharing all that knowledge, and then, but then, uh, the state of Michigan is also had, knows that they have a bunch of individuals that they can tap if an emergency happened as well. I mean, that's,
1: that's exactly right. That's okay. exactly it. And and so the concept of like I said, volunteer fire deport- department for cyber. I mean and obviously that analogy kind of falls apart in some ways, but it is. There's really benefit and the networking opportunities for the uh, um, security professionals mm. to get together, um, to work with others, to learn from them, um, from different organizations, uh, some from academia, some from government, some from the private sector, different companies around the state, and different teams are being formed in different sectors of, of the state. So. Um, obviously, some people would be like in Southeast Michigan, some more in the Ann Arbor area, some in Grand Rapids, and some kind of in the uh, northern Lower Peninsula. Um, and that's what the project is now. Kind of the latest is really having regional uh, groups that that can meet together because obviously some people maybe in you know the D- Detroit area or something sure. may not be able to go to Grand Rapids and that kind of thing.
0: Dan, what what would constitute a kind of an emergency that you know would set the sirens off and you know have people running for their um their boots and their uh, fire trucks. Sure,
1: that's exactly it. I mean, it, um, there's a number of different scenarios that have been discussed. Um, and I think, I think, you know, the, the ones that everyone kind of thinks on the extreme end, you know, kind of if you want to picture this as kind of a cyber 9-11 or a cyber, you know, Pearl Harbor kind of really mm-hmm. a bad hack that might happen. Um, I think, you know, obviously I, could, that could happen someday. Um, I'm hoping it doesn't. Uh, but, right. but that kind of a thing could happen. You know, we obviously had the blackout back in 2003, which wasn't mm. a cyber-related incident. But, you know, we right. all remember that from another hot day in the summer oh, um, Lord, when, yes. when the lights went out. But, you know, should there be some kind of um, uh, malware that, or, you know, ransomware that, that spreads kind of virally mm-hmm. across multiple companies? Um, ah. You know, should there be, um, I'm, again, maybe not the extreme incident, but, you know, ransomware is kind of all, all out there right now And for listeners one, you know, wondering what that is. But, you know, basically um, malware that takes over your computer and, and kind of you know, encrypts all the data and then um, you, they won't give it back to you unless you pay a ransom. Yes. Um, we've seen that around the country. It's one of the hottest risks right now.
0: Uh-huh. related
1: to you know, hospitals and those kinds of things. Uh-huh. And so you know, if that kind of a thing, it has happened already in Michigan, but if it got a little bit more viral, um, I know there's discussions around that even now, that you know, what can we do to work together on these kinds of issues. But um, to the extent that something became maybe a little bit above where we're at today on ransomware or, or other types of attacks, mm-hmm. Uh, denial of service attacks. I know there have been phone calls around, you know, uh, the, the, the DOS denial of service uh, against different, you know, banks or that mm-hmm. kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Basically, the idea of, of, of pulling people together so they can talk about what they're seeing, um, and then maybe work on a response, a coordinated response to work together.
0: You know, that, that coordinated response. Response to work together. That has been one of the key problems in every crisis situation I can remember. We're talking about whether it was you know, the hurricane that went through or New Orleans. You know that the the travesty that happened there was the lack of communication. They didn't. They weren't able to talk to one another. So, well, what have you done, Well, And the other thing that is is like, who do you call? I'm a corporation, or or uh, Good
2: point. you know, and and who do I call? You know, do I call nine one one and say someone's hacking into my computer? I mean, it sounds like this might be a body of people that you can actually contact. That's a good point.
1: Well, and I think the other thing about it is, and again, going back to that kind of fire analogy there, that you know, the volunteer fire department, is one thing that's been a lesson learned in other industries, and I think we've already seen it in cyber as well, it's already happening today, is, you don't want to meet those people and, and, and talk to people for the first time when the incident happens. No, no. Yeah. So you want, to, you want to train in advance. You want to work together in advance, just like a volunteer fire department would say. We're going to train. We're going to know what to do if this happens. We need to be able to do the same things in the technology realm, is work together in advance, um, train in advance, know the people, know their names, know the phone numbers, to call, know their you know, contact information. And, and, you know, the more you can do in advance to communicate and to work together, the better equipped you'll be you know, if and when that situation mm-hmm.
0: comes mm-hmm. up. Dan uh, Lorman is our guest here. And uh, by the way, Dan, you had mentioned before you had spelled out the, the, the website. People don't have to worry about taking that down, by the way. If you go to <laughs> net on our homepage, uh, you'll see uh, in bold Michigan Cyber Civilian Corps, or MIC3. And if you click on that, that'll take you immediately to the webpage oh, for the Michigan Cyber uh, Civilian Corps. And you can find out more information there about uh, you're becoming a member of that and typically what what kind of uh qualifications do people need i mean for instance could ed be one of them
1: i'm sure i could pass the test <laughs> <laughs> well, I, we'll I mean uh, yeah i mean i think um there's an assessment online i think there are there are a couple of different um of levels we are looking for people who are um you have some some hands-on knowledge um gotcha you know and and have actually done this a little bit
0: before so okay that's a that's a key thing is somebody has got the practical experience of dealing with uh, uh hackers and uh, and security issues as well dan lorman is our guest dan's also a great columnist he's written some excellent blogs and one of them was about um smartphones becoming our new computers and i want to get back to that when we return with the internet advisor and dan lorman in just a moment It's our pleasure today to talk with Dan Lorman, who for many years has served a a very important role in the state of Michigan. I think part of one of the things that helped us to gain the kind of stature that we did in the state of Michigan is with, and certainly our technology and our websites and all sorts of awards that have come to the state. Um, He was declared during that period of time that he was the head of our Michigan cybersecurity and technology infrastructure, uh, named CSO of the year, public official of the year, and we won a Computer World Premier 100-liter award. So, Dan, we're delighted to have you with us. You are, I mean, you must have a, uh, a keyboard surgically implanted in your, somewhere on your being because <laughs> you are just putting up articles all over the place. Oh, thank you.
1: I enjoy, enjoy it. Thanks for the kind words. I appreciate
0: it, Foster. Oh, yeah. Well, one of the ones that fascinated me was as I was looking on it was an article that you had that essentially said or asked the question, and it was in a government technology website, uh, will a smartphone replace your PC? And that is a question that has always fascinated me. As a matter of fact, Ed and I were talking about that before um, we invited you on the air here. What led you to that question?
1: Certainly um, an interesting trend that, you know, I, I try and look at, you know, trends that are happening every year, you know, in a wide variety of ways. You know, the growth of social media, the growth of, you know, Facebook and mm-hmm. Twitter and all of that. And, you know, the PC market has dropped uh, between 10 and 12% um, uh, in the first quarter of this year. But, you know, it, it's, it's consistently dropped the last several years, and more and more people just use their smartphone exclusively mm-hmm um to access the internet with you know using apps and um obviously now with the you know Pokemon Go <laughs> right. uh, you know they, they, people like to uh to use their you know their smartphone whether mm-hmm. it's an Android or you know an iPhone Apple um, um iOS device whatever it may be um or you know, obviously an iPad sometimes a, a tablet devices sure. more and more and and uh so it's certainly a, a huge trend
0: so what do you think that will mean in terms of, uh, you know, our listeners who are here, you know, what do we save our pennies for <laughs> in the near future?
1: Yeah, no, I think so. I, th- I think, you know, more and more people, I, I-, I see, you know, enterprises, businesses, um Buying less, way less laptops. If they're buying any, you know, they're buying laptops still. I think, you know, as I mentioned in there, I don't think they're going to be totally gone, but I think they're they're dying a slow death over the next five to eight years. Certainly, when you're writing articles or doing your know, term papers for school, or or you know, writing blogs, as you, as you mentioned, the articles, I think having a larger screen is important. Sure. Um, interestingly enough, I had this question on in LinkedIn, and I had literally hundreds of people responding, and some uh, many were saying this is already happened it's already over the pc is dead the laptop is dead others saying absolutely not it will never happen so it was interesting you had this kind of 50 50 debate going on it was really kind of heated about the almost religious debate about you know (laughs) this topic and and there were lots of people who had different views on it and um but i i really think that you know the trend clearly is that the pc and the laptop are being phased out more and more apps are coming online um the numbers kind of of, of show that in, in a wide variety, variety of ways mm-hmm. um i think you're going to start seeing more and more devices also like you know talk about you know pcs in our clothes you know the internet of things you know we're talking about you know in our, um, technology being built in all around us into, yep. our, into our homes um, yesterday, I was at this, um, you know, the event, the, the Billington Cybersecurity Summit in downtown Detroit there, talking about, you know, in cars and, and oh, yes. you know, autonomous vehicles. So, I mean, more and more, it's going to be in technology all around us.
0: One of the things I've seen, and Ed, I don't know if you remember this device, uh, and maybe you do, Dan. I thought it was put out by HP. It was um, uh, a smartphone that plugged into a tablet... And they gave you a bigger screen. I think uh, AT&T had it for a while,
2: didn't they? Well, I mean, they, they do. Some products did have docking stations for yeah. notebooks, and they just plug into the, the phone. You know, I'm not sure. I mean, into This like plug right into the back of the... Uh, LCD, right, basically, into the yeah. display, what looked right. like a laptop. Right. I don't think it really took off. I think it was more of proof of concept. You know of of where things might be going,
0: but that strikes me, Dan, is the kind of thing that uh, maybe it's in between times would work, where you have. uh, uh, I like having a bigger screen. (laughs) My older eyes prefer having a bigger screen. Right, not everyone can get radio keratotomy. (laughs) You
2: know,
0: know, and that's that's the big problem with these things. You get a
2: six-inch display; it's just really hard to read eighty characters across it. You know.
1: Yeah, I think. I think. You know, I. I think. mentioned you guys talking about, you know, be, being able to walk into a room and maybe have your big screen TV pick up the mm-hmm. you know, the, the data from your iPhone. I, I think that kind of technology is coming, yeah. and um, I, I don't know of any one single product that's there now, but, you know, the kind of ubiquitous data all around us, um, your smartphone is also becoming kind of the... Um, I call it the universal remote to life almost. I mean, you know, the idea that your smartphone can start your car, open the car doors, do the security in your house. More and more Internet of Things devices that we have in our homes are controlled by smartphone apps. Mm. So um, the one thing I say to people is really make sure, you know, that one device you do have is protected. and ah. that you- you You have um you know good password um protection on that yep. and and a lot of people still do not even you know uh password protect their smartphones so you know making sure that you know you have the basics in place that are already available around security related to being able to wipe the device uh, if it gets lost or stolen and having um you know preferably a biometrics you got fingerprint to in right. your 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 uh,
0: smartphone. I love the biometrics. To be honest with you, with the the fingerprint, for instance, with the iPhone, yeah, the, you know, I use that to open not just open only to open the iPhone, but it also opens uh, LastPass, which is my my vault for yeah. all of my passwords, and you do your store purchases, and my then, bank, your bank, yeah, and, and sto- yeah, exactly, and the and Visa Visa purchases requires my uh, my my fingerprint as well. So you see that, that biometric. As being right now, at least, the key to, to helping to secure, you need to have that kind of thing rather Absolutely. than.
1: Absolutely. And I think, and just even, even it's, the numbers are pretty scary. The majority of people still um, do not use two factor authentication, the basic, you know, the biometric. Um, and or you know a lot of people don't even password protect. They just don't even have anything you know, protecting their their smartphone. They do have or their computer. So just highly encourage people to do that, and and even also take advantage of. For something like your Google, or uh, Gmail, for Twitter, for your, your, uh, Facebook account, using two-factor, mm-hmm. um... you know, password, uh, password is another step, but just, you know, whether they'll text you, like, your, your PIN, um it sounds complicated, but if you just do it the first time, then, um your device can remember that, and you don't have to do it after that, but it, it really does protect your device. Um, so less than ten percent of the people in the population actually use that, but it could add so much more security to your whole experience online.
2: That's an excellent point, and that's something I, I, we've mentioned, but we should probably mention it more frequently. That most internet, search, uh, you know, like your your Gmails and your 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 Apple Hot, Mails, Hot and Go- Hotmails, they provide two step authentication, and if you lose um, your password or forget your password or your account's been hacked then you, you want to be able to have the ability to text your account mm-hmm. uh, a pin so that you can get access to your account hopefully <laughs> before the other person changes all that other security information <laughs> so if you yes. haven't done it in the last six months into you or a year go back into the security settings of your mail account and see if you can you know and and just check your security settings.
0: Dan, yeah, I know this is hopping around a little bit, kind of wildly, but you're very much involved in um, the security world now um, as a chief strategist and uh, security officer at Security Mentor. Um, what are, have we seen a shift in um, the tactics of the bad guys recently? It, it, I don't seem to be getting as much in terms of, of phishing kind of emails coming through. Uh, no, no. Yeah. has it shifted in, in other directions?
1: Well, I think there's a a number of things going on at once. And I think the number, kind of the hottest trend out there right now would be ransomware, as I mentioned earlier. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I think a lot of of companies are really being hit, Um, hospitals, businesses, small businesses, medium and large. Um... There are, you know, fishing is still big out there. Um, there's something actually happening now called whaling, believe it or not. They're big going after the big fish, which is very targeted, um, going oh, yeah. after those key people and companies, or if you have your own company, your own business, um, trying to get you to believe, trust them, and then maybe do a fund transfer. It doesn't always include a fishing link. It may just be they, they try and set themselves up as a, as a supplier or some kind of way oh, yeah, yeah. To, get, to get you to to take some action, obviously, that's going to make them money.
0: So- I, yeah, I've heard about that. It's the, kind of a confidence game where right. this is at, like at the C- CEO level. It's like yep. the cyber version of the good old boy system. Yep. <laughs> You're right. And and here you got a, a major supplier who's suddenly saying, I need X. And uh, because the name is there and it's the major supplier, the, the CEO might be fooled into thinking that this that's is something... That's interesting. To- I have not heard of that trend. It's called whaling, right? Yeah, it's- very popular and, and it's you know they use it well, I'll give you one quick technique that's used in that is like they they really do
1: in-depth research to learn um, yep. about you know what people do maybe even get your Gmail account maybe send somebody a Gmail um, they get the actual take over the account of like a CEO or some CEO wow. or high level executive yep. and send you an email and say hey I'm fishing today maybe they really are fishing you know they've uh. really done that much research <laughs> and uh, I can't I can't make this fund transfer I'll do all the-
0: I got to run right now but thank- Thank you so much for helping.